Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth Podcast. I'm Jack Smith. I'm Shrikar Rajendran. And I'm Anish Gupta. And uh, there's not much to talk about this week, so uh, I just yeah. like the Pro Bowl. Like, you guys another week. I mean, Mac Jones did hit the gritty. That was pretty good. We all got we all got to hit the gritty in an episode one time. Yo, that would be <laughs> sick. We should. I actually have a video of Shrikar grittying down an entire movie theater. Really? Um, That's a legendary video. Uh, yeah. So okay. if you guys want to send it see to me that. and I'll send it to me and I'll put it on the episode. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah, that and we could also maybe do it a community post. <laughs> we'll do that for sure. Throw <laughs> on the Instagram. Like, gritty your way through our channel videos as you like scroll. I don't even know how you would do it, but yeah, no. We have the gritty like, video oh, yeah, yeah. and then him grabbing the fan like like Spider Man. Yes. It'll be a he, special Super Bowl Sunday morning treat. He went row to row like a snake. That's our Super Bowl commercial. We buy a Super Bowl commercial slot and make a Cold Heart Truth gritty commercial. Oh, that would be sick. That would be sick. That would be pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. No, but we, we do have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. It's it's Super Bowl week. Super Bowl is this Sunday. We've also got some other stuff to talk about. So in order, we're going to go through the Brady retirement. We're going to talk about that. Uh, obviously, the go to the sport. We've got a lot of stuff to say about him. Uh, then the coaching hires. There's been four, I believe, yeah, four new coaching hires since we last talked, since our last episode. So we're going to break down those, uh, give our opinions, our takes a little bit. Uh, but the majority, obviously, will be taught. We'll be, you know, talking about the Super Bowl. We've got the Bengals. We have the Rams here in LA this Sunday. Should be a great Super Bowl. I know for a fact, like uh, this one's been giving me fits all week. Uh, so we'll get into that, and then we'll make our picks. Uh, and then we, the next time we see you, will be after the Super Bowl. Some off-season content. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. But uh, let's start. Let's start with Brady. Oh, one hell of a career. I mean, like one of the greatest athletes of all time. I think easily the greatest of all time in the NFL. And like it's at a position where I don't know if anyone can ever top what he did. Like the amount of rings, the career longevity going out on top two, where he might win the MVP in his final season. Like he played, uh, he, he was going to play until he wasn't good anymore. And I think he realized that like, that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> not going to come anytime soon. Uh, so he's retiring. He's going to Gis- going to Giselle, going to the kids. Uh, we'll see if he comes back. He, he kind of hinted at it, but yeah, I, I never got it at this point. He's, he's, done everything like there's no more he can accomplish and i know you know tom brady's got the fire under him that's gonna make him think you know he can win one more super bowl make him want to go out there but i think he's probably retired for good uh but yeah i know anisha wanted to start on this so your thoughts on brady yeah i think first of all i mean he did the hint that i was gonna say he did hint at the never say never but uh Again, I think we talked about it on the lapse episode. I didn't want to say anything until it was official. And lo and behold, it was hours after we had finished, I think, either uploading or recording it. Yeah. That's just our luck. This always happens with us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this was really, this is one of the sad, like when I found out and when it was really official, that was one of the saddest things I'd heard, you know, in the NFL, especially like, you know, for me, I love football more than any other sport. I know Jack loves baseball as much. Uh, Shrikar, I'm sure, loves football as much as I do, but you know, Tom Brady just embodied everything that like I looked for in like a star player. I mean, he never, he was the best teammate. He was the best, uh, you know, leader that any, any Patriots or Xbox player could ever ask for. I mean, I've always heard nothing but good things and the best, like, you know, I'm always on the side that winning should be attributed to a quarterback. Like quarterbacks are responsible for winning. Like they contribute to it and they also don't contribute to it. And Brady was the ultimate winner. I'm, I mean, this guy had six game winning drives and six Super Bowls that he won in New England. Um, and you know, he, there was never a, like, you know, 
a doubt in my mind that I was like, okay, this game is over with Brady at the helm. I think that he was the ultimate competitor and it just really sucks that I didn't get to, you know, hear him announce the retirement the way Peyton Manning did. Because when he, when Peyton Manning did it, I was obviously, I was only like 13, but I remember watching the speech and to this day, I think I talked about it in the previous episode. I think it's the greatest speech I've ever heard. And I just wish we got to see something like that from Tom, who was never, you know, the like outspoken type of guy, but I would have loved to hear, you know, things that he could have said and reflecting back on, as you said, Jack, the greatest career in NFL history. And I've I've said on this podcast for the last, what, two years that he's the best and greatest uh, player in the sport. I will stand by that. And I also think in our lifetimes, we will not see a career like this. I mean, th- this is just this was this is unheard of. 22 straight years of pure excellence and he never faltered in any year. I, w- I was just looking at it. There, there's never been a season where you could say Brady wasn't top five, maybe even top seven at his position. Every single year he came and got it done. Um, I go back, I think my one of my favorite moments, obviously the comeback people will talk about Super Bowl 51, but it was actually the tuck rule game. I watched it. Uh, I watched the whole like NFL throwback game and <clears throat> they were down 13 to three in the fourth quarter. I think I talked about it in the Instagram post I put out, but like Brady threw for 125 yards in the fourth quarter in a little bit of overtime. Like that that's really good for a first year guy down 10 against a Raiders team that was really really good. They had the MVP that year, Rich Gannon. Um but you know, that was just who Brady was and I know I'm kind of rambling on, but it just really sucks that we won't get to talk about him as much. We won't get to see just a true, you know, mastermind of the game. Uh, I said this I don't know if I said this in the post, but I will say this and maybe you guys want to touch on it and agree. I think there have been three, like Coward also mentioned this and I wanted to take a little bit of what he said and add on it. I think there have been three eras in the NFL since, you know, the modern era, modern type, right? Since maybe the 70 merger. I think the first one was the whole strong arm, really gunslinger talent, which was brought on by Marino, Elway and Favre, right? Because I mean, Joe Cool was kind of just this guy who won, right? He was kind of the, just a better Unitas in my opinion and Bradshaw. But like Marino, Elway, and Favre really changed the game. Like you had to be talented, big, strong, right? And then I think Brady and Peyton were the next era where they brought this, you know, this combination of intelligence, IQ at the line. I thought that was like, that really dominated the 2000s and the 2010s. And now we're seeing a new era kind of blossom in with uh, Mahomes and Allen, where it's just, you got to have everything, mobility, right? IQ at the line. And, you know, not only that, being able to run outside the pocket and go for it, like, you know, uh, Marino, Elway and Favre weren't really known for that, but these guys can do it all. And I think that's what every quarterback you're starting to see, right? Burrow can kind of do the same things. He can elude, right? Get out of the pocket when he needs to. Same thing with Lamar. Obviously, he needs to work at, at his arm, but like Herbert, I think it's this new wave and I think the NFL is just developing, but these guys were so keen on that. And man, I'm really going to miss, I'm really going to miss Tom Brady. You look at Tom Brady's Wikipedia page and you see all the accolades. I mean, it just goes on for, you know, so long. And obviously look at the seven Super Bowls, three more than the next closest quarterback. It's incredible. He had the most illustrious career that you could think of. And all those accolades, and I mentioned it in the previous podcast, it was my second point. He made something out of nothing better than pretty much any player I've ever seen in my life. He was, you know, never the most athletic. He was, he was slow, never had the best build. If you look at the combine photos, I mean, you see that for yourself. Um, he didn't have a big arm like Brett Favre and he was touching on that. And, you know, 
Was he definitively the smartest QB? I mean, you could throw Peyton in that conversation too. So he wasn't really definitively the best at anything except for winning. And that's incredible because he had such a great run. Three titles in his first four years. He won a title 19 years after his first one. It's just longevity is everything with Tom Brady. And it's just really sad for football because I know a lot of fan bases are happy because they've been tortured throughout all these years by Tom Brady, but not many really transcended their game like Tom Brady did. And that's why it's going to be a sad moment for the NFL. It's going to be a sad moment for the football world. Um, But as I said, I don't think anyone will catch up to Tom Brady. It could happen, but he set the bar so incredibly high. I really don't think anyone is going to catch him. But that being said, Obviously, Mahomes has the best shot as it stands right now, but a lot would need to happen for him to even get to where Tom Brady is. So, as I said before, Tom Brady had the most illustrious career I could think of, and he is going to endure the test of time. He is going to be remembered for a very long time. I I don't even know if Mahomes can even catch him at this rate. No, he can't either. Yeah, because yeah, especially because he lost his two playoff losses up until obviously yesterday or uh, sorry last week was um, to Brady himself and like the thing is like Brady lost three times in a row once in twenty two years I mean dude teams go on losing streaks all the time and for him to not lose three games in a row once and this is including his young years I mean. He was just a born winner. I, I, I don't know what to, you know, really explain it with. This guy was just. Think about how long it goes for some teams at the bottom of the league to win three games in a row. Like, right. And one other thing, I mean, it's just incredible how he kept himself in shape. He only missed yep. that 2008 Agreed. season. Came back in 2009 when comeback player of the year. He kept himself in shape so well for 22 years, and he was just phenomenal to the very end. We saw with that Bucks run. His last season was over 5,000 passing. I mean, it's incredible the longevity. I mean, it's crazy because I think he's been the GOAT for five years now. And yeah. I think he's built a Hall of Fame career since he's become the GOAT. So I think I think again, Super Bowl 51 was when I finally said, okay, you know what? This guy is the greatest player in NFL history. And then what after that? He went on to go to another Super Bowl, which was 52. Yeah, he lost, but he had the best performance in a Super Bowl ever. And I don't know if that'll be ever replicated. Uh, and then he goes and wins one right uh, against the Rams. So that's one ring. And then he goes, wins one with Tampa Bay. And he had all these Pro Bowls in the meantime. And he won an MVP after that. So, I mean, this. And could win one this year. He could, yeah. He's be runner still, up, still up but on the table. And another I would love to see him win it. But I think we all know who's yeah, going to get it. Yeah, well, you got to wonder how many, like, make sure all the votes were cast before. Because if they weren't, I mean, I think the Tom Brady locks up that award. Uh, to build on your point of, like, staying in shape, I don't think I've ever seen an athlete more dedicated to their sport and their craft and being on top than Tom Brady. I mean, all of the the stuff that he's gone through for over 20 years in the professional sport, uh, we all hear about, you know, his sleep schedule and eating and, you know, how much he just sacrifices being around his family. Like imagine doing that for 20 years just to stay on top. And he was better in his forties than his twenties. I think that is the quote, or like that is the single piece of information that sums up Tom Brady the best. Yeah. And that's just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Congrats to Tom Brady. I know he deserves to retire. Uh, His family deserves to spend time with him. He deserves a chance to relax, uh, you know, kick back. We'll see if he, you know, stays in Tampa. We're going to obviously hear from Tom Brady. I think he'll be a huge fixture in football for as long as, as he's alive. Um, 
I hope so. I, I hope, hope so. I hope he keeps, you know, he keeps him, his mind in the NFL landscape. I mean, Peyton, again, I think Peyton is a good model for this, right? Because the last greatest player ever to do something like this was obviously Peyton. And I wish, I wish Brady kind of could have rode off into the sunset, at least gotten a farewell tour. Because what really irks me is the fact that Ben got a retirement tour over Brady in his last year. And it's no disrespect to, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. It's just... You would obviously want to say goodbye to a legend and Tom as much as you would, you know, Ben. And yeah, that's well, what his really Hall of Fame speech. I think that's going to be the big moment. His Hall of yeah, Fame speech. And it, is- yeah, because the hype around Peyton's was absurdly large. And um, especially because I was in the area in Canton before, like a couple uh, weeks before, or sorry, a month before the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony. So talk was really big there. And yeah, you're right. Brady's speech will be highly, highly anticipated. Yeah, let's get on to these coaching hires. We're going to have the whole offseason to talk about the impact of the of the Brady retirement, what the Bucks do next. It's going to be obviously a, a big piece of the offseason, something we're going to talk about for years. I mean, this is one of the greatest athletes of all time. And this is, I think, the first, like, since we've, like, fully started, the first, like, GOAT to retire, or the first, like, really big name. Other than Peyton, we've had some in baseball, but... Like this is the I mean, first guy that like we've been alive. Honestly, think about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean this like is the, this is the greatest retirement we've been alive. I mean, oh, I guess MJ far. was. Yeah, right. So, I mean, like for us, right? Because we're all eighteen. We're not that. You know, we're not that old. We haven't seen many of these. You know, legendary greats that we talk or at about. least been like cognizant enough to like appreciate them for what they were. Like, uh-huh. we're like Manning of like they happened when we were alive, but it didn't mean as much because we didn't grow like we didn't see as many years of him tom brady's been in the super bowl basically every year we've been alive yep yeah and watching football so exactly tom brady uh one hell of a career we'll talk about him a lot i'm sure but we gotta keep the episode moving let's start with doug peterson he's the new head coach of the jacksonville jaguars previously obviously coached the philadelphia eagles brought them super bowl and then got fired after all the drama with you know carson wentz last year and kind of didn't do anything for this past year but kind of showed up in this uh, this head coaching hire cycle, and he's now the head coach of the Jaguars. So, uh, y'all, what's your thoughts on the Doug Peterson hire? Peterson is stepping into a very fascinating situation because on one hand, Shad Khan, he's never built a consistent winner, and Trent Baalke is notoriously tough to work with. However, you've got a potential franchise QB in Trevor Lawrence, and you've got talent around him. I'll say this, Jacksonville, they couldn't have made a worse hire last offseason with Urban Meyer. Whether Peterson is successful in Jacksonville or not, I think they got it right here because Peterson, he is an experienced coach. He has a Super Bowl to his name. Um, He's an offensive-minded guy. I think he can be the guy to fix Lawrence. Now, look, the Jaguars have a long ways to go, but I think Peterson should help speed things up a bit, and I think the Jags made the right decision here. When Peterson got hired, two things came to mind. Uh, one, he's from the Andy Reid coaching tree. I love the Andy Reid coaching tree. <laughs> and two, uh, I know Peterson wasn't the main contributor or the main benefactor towards Carson Wentz's, you know, two good years. But just think about what Trevor Lawrence is. He's very similar in build to Carson Wentz. They have a very similar build in my opinion. Carson is a bit bigger, but Lawrence is as tall, a little bit taller and faster. 
I mean, the, the amount of, you know, the amount of plays that you can do with this guy is absurd. And also you have to recognize that this guy was getting better towards the end of the year and he finished on a very strong note, uh, that final game of the season. Um, again, I watched Peterson very in depth when I did my Devonte Smith video, uh, cause I wanted to look at what the Eagles ran prior to his arrival and they run a lot of RPOs. It's a very, you know, quick type of passing scheme and Trevor Lawrence can perfectly execute that. So I love the hire from a schematic standpoint. I just... I want to see if he can rekindle, you know, and regain the locker room. How much do they respect him? Because I'm sure players will have heard about what he did the final week. Remember of the 2020 season that really got some pushback um, around the entire NFL. So hopefully well, Trevor, I, Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has already seemingly bought in. Um, true. He looks excited. Yeah. Uh, he went on social media saying, yeah, well, this is the guy. So maybe he can be that leader. And um, we'll of course, yeah. The locker room yeah. Time will tell. I just again, right. I think anything is an upgrade over Meyer if you just don't get in drama before the season starts. <laughs> like, I mean, Urban was hiring that Iowa strength and conditioning coach, and then we had that had us talking about the uh, about you know the Jags already in being a dumpster fire in like July. So yeah, let, let's not do that. <laughs> they didn't help themselves in the draft uh, drafting Travis Etienne either. I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah, I like help in the scheme, think, though. What? No help. He'll be really good in that scheme, though. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. I, um, I think so. I like I that. Think, I think, yes, he, he runs a good RPO offense. And I think the scheme will lend itself well to Trevor Lawrence's play. But I think this hire was more of, of a culture hire. Like, no matter what, I think it is more important for Jacksonville to develop a culture and bring themselves out of the depths of, like, they might have the worst culture in all of sports. Like, of any team no one has been this bad for this long and in the ways that they have. Um, and I think that's more important to them than developing Trevor Lawrence, because you, if you can develop a good culture, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't work out, you can bring a new quarterback in, but if you put all of your chips in Trevor Lawrence and you, you bring in, uh, I don't know, a Nathaniel Hackett or, or an O'Connell who doesn't have experience building a culture, a winning franchise like Doug Peterson does, It'll then you might be screwed down. with both ways. I don't think, I think this Doug Peterson hire is a very safe hire. Uh, for the culture. And I think that it's exactly what you're going to need in Jacksonville. He's the exact opposite of urban Meyer. He's not going to be out, uh, you know, letting girls grind on him in a, in a bar. That's not Doug Peterson in the slightest. He has experience. He's <laughs> won a super bowl. He's won it recently as well. And he knows what it takes. Uh, he was revered in Philly for those years like that. The Philly culture, the year they won the super bowl, it was like unmatched. It's like what we're seeing in Cincinnati this year. So I think it's, it's, it's a very safe hire. It's a good one for the culture. I still have questions like, you know, whether he's because, you know, you want to pair a young quarterback with a young minded, you know, head coach with the analytics and, and all that, like you've seen with Zach Taylor and Sean McVay and all that. But I think it's a very safe hire. I think the RPOs will be good for Trevor. That's one of the things I said in my scouting report is like, I think he, he was very good for the Clemson offense. And if he's you know asked to do something different, I, I'm curious about, you know, how that will go. It's what, it's what happened this year. We didn't get the same, uh, style of offense that Clemson ran and Lawrence struggled a little bit. I think Peterson is a little bit more towards that Clemson shift. They just got to get good players and build a better culture. And I think they'll be fine. I'd, I'd like the Doug Peterson hire. It's not like a slam dunk, like made me jump out of my seat higher, but it's, it's really safe. Uh, and I definitely respect the move. Kevin O'Connell was the next one. I, I referenced him, but he went to the Minnesota Vikings. I, I'll start on this one as well. I, I think this is a great situation for O'Connell on offense. I don't exactly know how it's going to go on defense and, you know, it's an aging roster, all those problems, but 
I think Kevin O'Connell is going to, you know, he has a lot of great pieces to work with on the offensive side of the ball. You start with Dalvin Cook and whoever's at quarterback, like Kirk Cousins, I think profiles at least similarly to Matthew Stafford, who O'Connell had success with this year. But then you look at Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. That's what really piqued my interest is like either one of those guys he can use like Cooper Cup. And we saw that the success that we had with Cooper Cup. So I think, you know, having the success with Odell, Van Jefferson, and and Cooper Cup, he can easily replicate that with KJ Osborne, who will, will play just like Van Jefferson. Uh, and then I think Justin Jefferson, or yeah, Jefferson, or I meant to say, yeah, Van Jefferson, and then Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen will, could play both like Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. So I'm really interested about the offense. Again, culture, defense, not exactly sure how it's going to work, but got to prioritize offense. I think if you're the Minnesota Vikings, cause that's what's happening in the NFL. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. So I like the hire again, not a slam dunk, but I think it's, it definitely piqued my interest. I think O'Connell was a fine hire. I, I'm, I don't really have too many thoughts on it. Uh, obviously young offensive minded head coach coming from that McVay tree. This is the trend. Now I did want to touch on Harbaugh for a second though. He did tell a source that he doesn't plan on coming back to the NFL again. I think it's ridiculous. I think if there is a call, with a big enough, you know, check attached to it. And if they present him with the option of getting a franchise quarterback or already having one in place, he's clearly interested by the idea of, but I think back. the NFL wasn't interested in him. Like I, I just, he didn't get an offer. He was with them for eight hours and he never got an offer. And so he yeah. said like, he's deciding to return to Michigan, but the Vikings decided for him. Who knows? I, it was, it was a big smoke screen on both sides. And obviously I think it was good for him because it gave him leverage in the Michigan, you know, side of things. But who knows? A team could come calling. I think Harbaugh could be hired in the next, you know, five years. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, with O'Connell, I think it's a fine hire. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with Jefferson and Thielen, as Jack said. Um, and it should be exciting. Uh, I so yeah, you guys know how I love McVay, and obviously I'm going to be in favor of his tree. Uh, I was talking with uh, you guys know Devin, uh, Vikings fan. So you know, first of all, I wanted to touch on uh, the GM Questy. I'm, I'm I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last. I can't. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I can't. But uh, yeah, he was obviously he was part of the Browns um, kind of you know uh, front office staff, and uh, I listened to his press conference. Vikings got an absolute steal. I, I'm so mad that we couldn't keep him. Uh, and just hearing how Andrew Barry was really happy for him, it sucks to see him go, but he's going to be an absolute gem for that team. Uh, and also, I thought the Vikings were the best team uh, out of the, I believe it was eight, right, that had head coaching vacancies prior to Sean Payton's retirement. So I thought the Vikings were the best one. I thought they had the best personnel, uh, you know, in terms of uh, groups and positions. And as you said, Jack, Kevin O'Connell is going to have a field day with the type of players that they have in Minnesota. And I'm all in on what they're building over there, especially with O'Connell at the helm. Yes, he's young. And yes, I know you're worried about the defense, but I just think the defense, they, after 2019, that was the last year they made the playoffs. The defense really started to decline. I think it's just because they lost interest in playing for Mike Zimmer. I mean, like I told you, right? Like one of the things that really irked me throughout the season for Minnesota was just not getting hyped for their team, like on, you know, big plays. They just were dead on the sideline. And I think that was a big product of what Mike Zimmer was doing. He's a very, you know, old school, harsh, brash type of guy. Uh, you want something that lights a fire under you, right? Like Robert Sala, those type of people, right? Uh, so I think the Vikings will get it sorted on defense. They ha Again, they have the personnel down there. They still have Daniel Hunter, Michael Pierce, you know, the list goes on Harrison Smith. Uh, so they'll be fine. Uh, Eric Hendricks. So I think, you know, not to worry about that. I think 
times in Minnesota are going to look up after two kind of just middle of the pack type of years. I think it's going to go up with Kevin O'Connell. Let's see how he does because he's been kind of going up ranks really quickly. Uh, so let's see how he does. But I'm a fan of the hire. Yeah, I, I like the points on the defense. The only problem I was worried about is like just the aging roster. I mean, yeah. they've got one of the older rosters in the league and it's not getting any better. They've got cap cap troubles as well. So that's just more what I was worried about. Uh, Shrikar, the Dolphins stole your offensive coordinator. I, I like the hire for the Dolphins. I mean, obviously I know a lot about the guy. He's 38. He spent 17 years working up this NFL ladder, uh, graduated from Yale. After five years being Kyle Shanahan's, you know, top, Lieutenant, he's going to take over the Dolphins. Now, I will preface this by saying I don't think they should have fired Brian Flores in the first place, but I won't talk about Flores. He is taking over a team with a young quarterback with upside, three good weapons in Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki. Look, that defense has playmakers at each level, too. It's just the offensive line that I'm worried about. If they can fix their offensive line, I really like McDaniel's run schemes here, and I think he can make the Dolphins an exciting team fun to watch. And I think they definitely have playoff potential going into 2022. I really like the hire, um, but this is the dolphins again, who knows uh, the history there is not good. They haven't won a playoff game since 2000, but I really like McDaniel's resume. His results just speaks for themselves. And he's another young coach. Um, obviously we touched on this before with O'Connell, but young coaches are the trend now. So I'll say this Miami shouldn't have been looking for a new head coach in the first place, but I think they found a good one. Yeah, he was from the Shanahan coaching tree, so get ready to blow some leads in big games. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. I'm sorry. Okay. 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 No more. No more. No more Kyle Shanahan slander. I do it enough. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is going to be an interesting hire. Um, here's what I'll say. It's just crazy now for me to kind of hear that Debo is now the example of a you know absolute offensive weapon, uh, which is really cool. So I think you know I've seen a lot of people think, hey, what is the upside for Jalen Waddle in that type of role? I, I can honestly see it in some regards. He I just think, doesn't have the size to be exactly the yeah, way Debo plays. You're right. I was going like to say he's that as more, well. He's elusive after the catch, but he's not going to power through people. Yeah, like that's Debo. why you can't put him at running back as much, yeah. as, as much in the backfield, but not especially the down the field. Down the field, though, he is your guy. Um, and I think, again, as Shrikar mentioned and you were saying also, I think there's a lot of playmakers that, you know, uh, that he can really work with. Uh, I loved his, I, I love his press conferences. I saw a couple of compilation of that, uh, McDaniel's press conference. It was pretty cool. It's pretty funny. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's a guy that will bring some personality to that locker room. I love that. Um, time will tell, but yeah, you're right. Trigger, as you guys said, it's the dolphins. They've again, every time I feel like every time they take a step forward, they take two steps back. That's just what I've been kind of looking at the dolphins is like, uh, and again, this AFC is loaded. And I think next year is, you know, with a new offensive minded guy will really be the telling tale of if Tua can succeed in the NFL or not, because the AFC, again, as we've mentioned, has got like five of the top seven QBs. And if you don't have one of those five or at least one guy that could be one of those five. Yeah, your times are going to look rough for the next few years. So let's see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I, I think. McDaniel and, and the Niners offense proved that they're they're like the one piece that someone can point to and say, okay, but we had Jimmy Garoppolo and we almost went to the Super Bowl twice in the span of three years. So right. I they think were in if, the NFC, right? So I know, no, I, I understand that, but like yeah. they went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes, so yeah. with Jimmy Garoppolo. So at least there's an argument there. I think McDaniel is 
one of the better coaches they could have brought on for Tua because I think Tua profiles a lot like a lefty Jimmy Garoppolo. He's more talented, obviously, um, but same level of arm strength. Uh, both struggle with accuracy at times. Decently, like the same mobility. They, they lack- always have that one bad play in the game. Yep. That's like, it's usually a pick and then they'll like turn it up after. I was like, it's so, yeah, you're right. They are similar in a lot of ways. That's why I think, you know, McDaniel's a good guy to bring onto the staff, but it leaves me with two questions. You're right. The offensive line, it's not the same as, it's not the same as he, you know, he had at San Francisco and you don't have a George Kittle to throw in there blocking as well. So I, I, I'm pretty, pretty confident that Mike Kosicki will not be a Dolphin next year. He just doesn't profile like the type of, like, uh, tight end that McDaniel wants to have one that will get down and dirty and, and block is not that guy next year, um, next year is in 2022 or 2023 next year as well he's a free, so he's a free agent I, I'm pretty yeah. confident the Dolphins will not resign him interesting okay yeah. uh, and then the other the other question that it leaves us is what happens with the defense because it's it's Brian Flores's defense he he tailored the entire scheme all the players the personnel to play his scheme his defense and he's gone now, so and then they're not bringing anyone new in. So it's like, can the defensive assistants really keep up what Flores had going? Do they keep the personnel the same? How do they draft? Because the personnel is built towards Brian Flores, and now you're leaving the personnel there without Brian Flores. So it's going to be really weird. Um, I think McDaniel will make it work. I think the Dolphins should start to look up. I agree with Shrikar, though. Should not have been looking for a coach, but I think the one that they found is, is a good option. We got two more coaches to talk about. Two guys that stayed in house. Uh, it's going to be Lovey Smith, who's the new head coach of the Houston Texans, and Dennis Allen, uh, new head coach of New Orleans Saints. I know for a fact I have two varying opinions on these two hires, but uh, you know, Anish, you want to start us off on this one? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to spoil Jacks, but I'll just say we, we're similar on him. Um, I'm a big fan of the Dennis Allen hire. Uh, you guys all know he's my favorite defensive coordinator. I think he's the best one in the NFL. Uh, and he's also had experience after, uh, what do you call it, like with Sean Payton, I believe like there were, um, when he had COVID a couple times, twice. So he's already had experience kind of being the interim guy. Uh, I believe he was the interim for when they beat the Saints for one of the weeks. I'm not sure if he uh, was. Yeah. Yeah, I think it or sorry, the yeah, when the Saints beat the Bucks, yeah. So uh he's had his fair share of his moments and I I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I think he's a great uh leader for this team. Uh and also he you know how he does with the Saints defense. Despite all the injuries, they were tremendous this past season. So I'm a fan of the hire. And then for Lovey Smith, um again, I just think it's David Cully part two. Like they're literally asking him to be a bridge head coach. He's old, he's already had his, you know, day in the sun with uh with the Bears, and uh, I believe he coached the Bucks too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh oh. so yeah, but he had a good stint with the Bears. Uh, he, I think he made it. He was the coach for the Super Bowl when they went in uh, 41 and they lost to Manning. Um, but yeah, so I think he's just a bridgehead coach, which really sucks. I, I thought the Texans could have used maybe a Brian Flores or someone young. I thought that would have been really good for uh, this team, especially for Davis Mills. Uh, now, you know, just more questions and just not much to look forward to for the Texans next year. So with Dennis Allen, obviously he was the favorite to be the guy after if Sean Payton were to, you know, step away and he did. Uh, so I do think it's the right hire, whether it's a good hire. I'm not sure. I mean, you look at his last stint uh, as a head coach in Oakland went very badly, but he is a great defensive coordinator. He is stepping into a very, very tough situation. And we're already seeing with the Camara news, it's not getting any better for him, but let's see if he can navigate through this for Lovey Smith. I don't like the hire, but I do, I do agree. He's going to be a bridge guy. I do think he can bring some good leadership, but man, it's just, it, it's kind of showing me that the Texans don't know what they're doing right now. 
because I would have liked personally Jonathan Gannon, very well respected guy around the NFL. I think he would have been great. But they didn't even they didn't if they were going to make Lovey Smith their guy, it just popped up out of nowhere. That's what's concerning me. It just seems like this was plan, not even plan B, just plan plan L. I don't know. But it, it just seemed like he wasn't, you know, ever meant to be the guy. And it's concerning me that, you know, now he's going to be another bridge. So I don't expect very much out of Houston, but at least Levy Smith can possibly bring that leadership aspect to that locker room. Wait, but okay, hold on. Why is the Saints a bad situation? I think he's going into probably one of the better ones. Just as in, you know, you don't have a quarterback. No starting quarterback. Okay, but the division is now wide open. And the Saints have had their fair share of W's against Carolina and Atlanta right, and Tampa Bay. I'm mainly concerned about the cap situation and the quarterback situation. Those are two. Yeah, I've, I've never been concerned about the cap. They've made it work every year. Uh, I don't think this year is going to be any different. Um, but I'm yeah, no, I think, I think the Saints should be the favorite for the division next year, honestly, even with the quarterback troubles. Because again, I still think Winston is pretty good. Like he was good the he's first. He's not on the team. That's the thing that yeah, he's not on the team. I mean, I think they'll bring him back. Like in terms of that, Maybe. I mean, because like they, they they just what do you call it? Restructured Taysom Hill's voidable years stuff. They can bring Winston back, so I'm not worried about that. Yeah, and no, also I, they're not gonna have to pay him much because he tore his ACL. So I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Dennis Allen hire. I think he's one of, if not the best, uh, defense coordinator in the league. Gave Tom Brady fits two games this year, and not many not many coaches can say they've done that once. Uh, so Dennis Allen, uh, big fan of that move. The Lovie Smith one is the one that I want to focus on. You're right. It, it feels like exactly like David Coley. And I don't hate the hire. I think he's an okay enough coach. He'll be serviceable just as I thought Coley was this year. It was the process which happened because, you know, we were led to believe, okay, Coley's going to stay this year. They're not going to fire him. And then they fire him late. And you figure, okay, they think they can get one of these big names to come and join. Then you add Brian Flores to the mix as well. And you're like, okay, they've got this big pool. They fired Coley, obviously for certain reasons that they think they can bring in someone bigger. They've got all those guys. They're bringing them in for interviews, but then you start to hear the name like Josh McCown thrown around. And I love Josh McCown. He's you know a great guy in football, but he's not head coach material yet. Even if he could not be ready coach. yet, not yet, not right now. And then, you know, you've got Brian Flores in the mix, you know, other big names in the mix, and you end up landing on promoting your own defensive coordinator. And it just felt like, you're right, you're going to plan L, which, you know, actually is probably fitting for Houston Texans. But, like, it, it just felt like they fired Coley because they thought they could get something bigger. And they ended up with something that's like, it's not an upgrade. It's not an upgrade. And, it's, and if it's going to be a bridge, if it's going to be a bridge coach, just let Coley stay one more year. And even and then and then you know you have the ability of like okay this is his second year with the team maybe he can do better and maybe you know he can take that step up and it's like a complete win win situation if he doesn't do well then you fire him and you're not you don't have you know two coaches back to back years getting fired and it's like imagine if they do it again then whoever they're going to want to get next cycle is going to look at the fact it's already the Houston Texans and see like are they even gonna yeah keep the big more the big names didn't even want to come there like yeah. I mean think about well, it yeah because right? you look at their ownership and it's it's awful. Well, and they make moves like this. So, you know, I, I don't hate the hire, but I don't think it's an upgrade over Coley. And I don't think it makes, for what it is, it just doesn't make sense based on the process. Like the hire, or tolerate the hire, do not like the process. Back to the Saints, though, their process as well, you know, having Eric Bieniemy in an in-person interview for eight hours and then not giving him the job, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um and we've heard, you know, enough about the Rooney rule and teams taking advantage of that with Brian Flores and the Giants, which I guess we haven't talked about on the podcast, but 
we got to get to the Super Bowl stuff, and maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. Maybe when it heats up, when it gets to you know the when, results. Once we start to hear more about you know all the stuff that's gone down with Brian Flores, uh, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. The fact that they had Eric Bieniemy in and then didn't offer him the job, it, it was it was a little weird. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I like both the hires. I like the Dennis Allen hire a lot more. The processes were just a little bit weird to me, um, and a lot more so than all the other hires i think they were kind of more straightforward like the giants wanted dabble they got dabble or dable uh i think the vikings you know got their guy they decided they didn't want harbaugh and they wanted o'connell instead you know all those ones but then this the the texans one was was really weird but let's get rid of that we're gonna throw tom brady out the window we're gonna throw coaches out the other window and we got the super bowl it is Bengals. it's rams Uh, the way we wanted to go through this was look at it from each team's perspective both on offense and defense get through that part pretty quickly and then get to our picks because that's the meat and potatoes of all of it. That's what you guys are excited. I believe fans have already locked up the playoff picks record because I think they're two games ahead. And okay. so, you know, congratulations to you fans on picks. I think the only game they've missed is they picked, maybe they've only missed two. I think I've, I think I'm in second. I missed four, mm. something like that. But yeah, I think they're, I they're, they're two again. It's all good. We'll, we'll go into next year when, yeah, we'll go into next year, but yeah, I congratulations on, on, on the playoff win. But it's still Super Bowl time. We're still going to make picks, obviously. Uh, and seeing how the conversation goes, we might do score predictions. But I'm not. Let's do um, I'm not on. confirming for a, a fact. Let's we're doing do a score. score. We're doing a score. Picking the game is hard enough. Uh, let's start with the Bengals uh, from their point of view. Uh, start, you know, them on offense. What What do you kind of see from them uh, over this playoffs? What do you expect to see uh, from what they're going to get from the Rams defense? Specifically, maybe we can look at, you know, what they plan to do with their weapons because the Rams, uh, you know, and their DBs, it, uh, the shadowing part is going to be weird. I just want to, you know, kind of get through that first. I mean, the main matchup I'm looking at right now is the trenches. Can that that's old line oh, But that's up? that's like a given. We know they're going to get destroyed. Yeah, which, like, yeah hey. we got to stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> we, it, we, it, we it, could overshadow, talk about it could overshadow the entire game. But, uh, I mean, as for the weapons, obviously we're going to have Ramsey on chase. I don't know if he's going to shadow just because the amount of weapons they have, but I'm expecting T Higgins to have a good game in this game. Um, as far as Joe Burrow, I think he has the grit and the mentality and the attitude to come out here and win a Super Bowl. Like I'm confident in Joe Burrow to win this game. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if he does. Here's the thing though. He needs to have time. I hate keep, to keep bringing up the trenches, but it's such a big factor in this game. If he has time, guys will get open. Guys will get open. Shot plays will be there. Just watch out for Ramsey. That's really all it is. And I don't. He, they're not afraid to attack Ramsey as well. I think they said in a quote that, you know, Jamar said, I'm pretty sure, but he said they're going to attack Ramsey. They're not really afraid of him at all. They're not going to avoid him. The game plan will be, you know, how they've ran it for the past weeks. And I think one guy will not really take them off that game plan. But as far as the weapons goes, I think T. Higgins could be in for a nice game. I mean – you're going to have to target Ramsey. This guy doesn't stay in one spot, so yeah. he's not a true corner. I doubt he lines up in shadow. the box. Yeah, They're not going to shadow yet. No, is, I mean, yeah. well, here's the thing. You can if you want, or you can put, you know, you can put Ramsey on T and double on Chase. Yeah, right? you, you so, put your number see, two and, and yeah. a double on Chase. So, yeah, Ramsey's not going to stay on an island. He never does. So I think you're going to have to target Ramsey as much as you want to say you avoid him. And honestly, at times you might want to just because if he is maybe, you know, alone and you can maybe get a favorable matchup in that respect. But as I've said with Jamar Chase, probably the entire year, the way you beat him is with tight man, tight press, right? 
but the way he also beats you is mm-hmm. with these one-on-one situations. And so, that's happened with Jalen Ramsey too. I mean, you look back, he was he's dominant at points and then he gets beat on the Mike Evans touchdown. Yeah, exactly, right? So yeah, and the thing is the Rams held the Bucks in check that entire game to let one play. So, and here's here's the thing. I just my thing with Cincinnati is this. You're not going to win a game. You're not going to win this game scoring 19 points. That that's remember so that was the points that it took to beat Tennessee, right? You're not going to win this game scoring 19 points. That is my that was my biggest thing coming into this game, right? And I agree with you, Jack. They just they simply have to just outplay the Rams on offense. That's how you're going to win this game. Um and I think, you know, as for Joe Burrow in all the regards, look, this guy has won over millions of players in the span millions of people in the span of 5 days. I mean, I just love how the media kind of goes with that. It's kind of cool. It annoys me a little bit sometimes with just how people are just hopping on waves like this when, you know, you should have seen this coming throughout the entire year when he was doing this towards the end of the year. Uh, But, you know, if anyone can win a Super Bowl, it's the guy who has shown up in every big game that he's played in uh, in the last three years. Uh, it's a guy who in the last two full, full seasons, he's been a quarterback, has been to the championship game in his respective type of sport. So uh, I think for Joe Burrow, it's just making your own time, right? So I know Shrikar was talking about how the offensive line is not good. I mean, it wasn't good against the Chiefs, kind of, but Joe Burrow made time out of the pocket. It's like worse they, against the, the Titans. Yeah, so the O-line actually held up pretty well against the Chiefs, but you know, even if the Rams win their matchups one-on-one on the defensive line, you still have a guy outside the pocket who can make a real, some really solid throws and who's really accurate. Um, I think that's the key for Cincinnati. You just simply got to outplay them. Uh, do we want to talk about the Rams or do you want to finish? Well, Bengals? yeah, I, I want to make one point. Like, So the, the, the Bengals love to live with five-man protections. I mean, that's what Joe Burrow is best at because I was listening to the Bootleg Football Podcast, which is uh, Brett Coleman's podcast, and... Uh, they literally said that Burrow's a point guard. And I don't think there's a better analogy. Like Joe Burrow is, is an NBA point guard. He wants as many options out there on the court as he can have. Yeah. And he's going to thread the needle and make the pass. And he's going to hit it. It's just, you know, whether he has the time, whether, you know, if you don't want Patrick Beverly on him, fouling him all the time uh, so he can actually make the pass. Uh, but they're going to want to live in five-man protection. But, you know, you're running the risk with a bad offensive line running five-man protection, especially against a defensive line like Aaron Donald. you got Leonard Floyd, uh, Greg Gaines, Vaughn Miller. They put they put Donald and Vaughn on the same side. Yes. That's, I think, what's going to really haunt them. It's because you have Donald inside and you put Vaughn on the outside. See, but so at least that, gives, that gives Burrow if, – if Burrow makes like them two miss, he doesn't have to worry about the other side quite as much. So I think – I'd prefer, you know, having Donald on the interior on one side and Vaughn on the on the edge on the other side. Yeah. I think Vaughn would be able to contain Burrow a little bit more. Like that's something that, mm-hmm. while he was sacked nine times in the Titans game, like he was still there were times where he escaped and made the throw. Same thing against the Chiefs. Like that was that's the reason they beat the Chiefs is because he was able to evade the pressure. It wasn't it, you know, their pressures didn't turn into sacks. Like I look at the Chris Jones one specifically, and yeah. so it's See, just, but- Okay, but Leonard Floyd is faster than Chris Jones by like a decent amount. Oh, yes. So no, I, I think that's why you put, I agree with you. I think they have to put a contain, but I think it goes on Floyd rather than Vaughn, uh, just because I think Floyd is quicker on the outside and I think you can wrap him up. But yeah. I, I loved your analogy of the point guard because I think one thing people tend to forget is just, I know we see all the shock plays and the highlights deep to Jamar Chase, but he doesn't fixate on him. No. Like, I think that's what people need to realize. Like, he, T. he switched right to T last week after after Chase was being, you know, yeah, bracketed but, early. Yeah. So, I mean, 
it, it's not like and I man that point guard analogy was real that was a spot one I like that one uh, yeah so and, and for the Rams uh to speak on Rams a little bit I know they don't love to shadow him quite as much as as they do you know other big name corners but the I think the one thing that might make them want to do it more is his tackling like you, we've seen so many plays from Jamar Chase this year where he gets the ball he makes one guy miss and he's gone past everyone on the field I think Ramsey's the best one of the best tackling cornerbacks in football if not the best uh so having yep. him over there makes it a little bit more valuable I think when it's going to come down to like the Rams on defense against the Bengals offense, you got to get pressure and and you got to get them out of those five man protections. You want to you know make them leave max protect, uh, leave Uzama into block or you know leave Joe Mixon to block uh, instead of you know allowing him allowing Burrow to have four receivers out there uh, and you know the running back out of the backfield. So I think you get them out of the five man protection, give him one less option, and I think their DBs. Uh, Either the Rams DBs are able to cover well. I think Darius Williams is a great two. Uh, Nick Scott has been playing really well at safety. That the Rams safeties, even Eric Weddle, like they, they've leading tackler, leading really tackler well. in the title game, and he was supposed to be the emergency guy, which is crazy. The number one, he had the most run stops in that in the entire game out of every player. He's like a fifty-year-old safety. Um, so yeah, I think that that's this is an intriguing side of the ball. I think it's the most intriguing side. Like Bengals on offense, Rams on defense. Like that's where the game is going to be won. It's either going to be won by the Bengals offense being able or to put up more points than the Rams, obviously. Um, or if the, if the Rams defensive line can fully take over because against the, you know, against the Titans that they had nine sacks against the Bengals, but like, I think it was, they only had 13 pressures and they converted, you know, nine of them into sacks, but the Rams defense, I think they're going to be howling. It's just whether Burrow can continue the same magic he has been. It's like almost given there's going to be pressure, but can he can he bounce back? Like, can he keep getting up after every sack? Can he evade, you know, a couple of them and make a throw? He has been so far. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. Like, they go up against Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. They've gone up against Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry, uh, Melvin Ingram and Chris Jones, and yet they're in the Super Bowl. So, like, he's able to do it. It's just a matter of whether he continues it. Uh, but let's get to the other side of the ball. Rams on offense. Uh, Trigger starts off on this one. Really, it just comes down to Stafford for me. I know couple do his thing. I could see Stafford having an amazing game in this one, throwing 300-plus yards, just going off. Or I could see him throwing a pick six to start the game, and it just goes all downhill from there. You don't know what you're going to get with Matt Stafford. Now, I will say, during this playoff run, you know, He's kind of erased that notion that he can't win the playoff game. He can show up in big spots. Yeah, I was about to gotta say. Him, okay. Got to give him credit for that. But still, it's Matt Stafford. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't fully, fully put my faith in him. But I think Cooper Cup, he just somehow always gets open. Like, you can double him. He'll still get – it's just amazing what he can do. He's a great route runner. I think he'll have a big game in this game. <sighs> As far as the run game, I don't expect either run game to really be all that good, uh, especially with how good the D-lines are on both sides, especially with the Bengals. Lou Anarumo is a great defensive coordinator. I think he is going to come up with a great game plan for this one against Matt Stafford. But I think I think it's going to be an interesting matchup to watch on both sides, and it's one that could really break either way depending on Stafford's play, in my opinion. Um. Okay, here's what I'll say. Yeah, I was about to I was about to leash unleash on you on Stafford. I mean, I was gonna say, like, hey, have you watched the last three games? Uh this guy has had the best I think he's had the best postseason out of any QB. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, you could say Burrow, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'll go with Stafford. The first because they think they've relied on Burrow in every single game. Yeah, I guess I guess Graham, statistically, I'm gonna say Stafford. I guess overall, you could say Burrow. I I would still argue Stafford just because of who he's playing and how he's played. Like again, that that Bucks game for me was outside of outside of Josh Allen, who you know just didn't. Yeah, get yeah, obvi- game. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude, I need to start talking about him more. I feel like I just don't talk about him as much as I used to because now he's just consensus great. But uh, yeah, I mean, Stafford, again, has also won me over. I was one of those guys that said, hey, let's see it when it counts. And he is doing it when it counts. So um, there was a segment on Undisputed. How much do you trust each quarterback? Um, I honestly trust them both plenty much. How, uh, how they, much would your answer have changed if Jimmy Ward caught that interception, though? Joukowsky tart. Joukowsky tart. I don't know why I said um, Like... That doesn't go down as an interception in the stat sheet. Exactly. That was the worst throw of the entire playoffs at this point. It was an arm punt, like literally. See, Man, he can, he's doing I think, okay, I agree with you. It would have changed. But right after that, right, he hits an absolute dime to Odell. So, I know, but, but right, is, so Jesse Bates gonna, is Jesse Bates going to give him the same opportunity? No, you're right. Like, yeah, no, so my key, my key actually for the Rams was can you throw it over the top yeah. because of the Bengal safety. So that was my actually, that was going to be my key to the game. Um, again, you, I mean, words can't even describe how much I want to talk about Cooper Cup in this game and how happy I am for him. He's the guy I'm going to be rooting for the most to win Super Bowl MVP. Um, well, if they win. Uh, but Again, I, I think Shrikar was saying the run games are, aren't going to work. I think the Rams run game would be really, really beneficiary for this team if it works. Uh, because, again, Stafford off play action is really, really good. And I think Odell in single coverage has been the key to them really, like, uh, what do you call it, taking this offense to a whole new level. Which really, you know, I'm not the biggest Odell guy, especially after what he's done to us. But uh can't deny him in single coverage he's been absolutely sensational uh but i think that just goes to show how valuable cup is to this offense so uh i think the ram again the key is just to throw over the top over the Bengals safeties which mahomes really could not do in the second half so you know those safeties are going to be lurking von bell is usually in the box they got safety uh jesse playing um a one high so if you can beat that then you're on your way to at least outscoring cincinnati i think that's going to be the key yeah, I think I'll switch to kind of you know, the Bengals on defense a little bit. The key is, I think, and I said it for the last game uh, as well against the Chiefs, it's going to be in that linebacker, the box level. I think we, we I think I trust that, you know, the DBs. I trust Jesse Bates over the top. Uh, the corners have been playing pretty well outside of Eli Apple, who's horrible, um, which yeah, if you're the Rams and you can get OBJ or Cup lined up on Eli Apple, you're looking that way 10 out of 10 times. But it's going to come down to the middle of the field, the linebackers and Von Bell on the box, because they're going to have to be able to take away both the run and the pass. I think, you know, you see that the kind of work that the Rams receivers can do over the middle. Um, and you, you just can't let that happen. You're going, to, you're going to lose if Cup and OBJ are beating you over the middle. and I, Or, you know, they're, they're going to be able to run. So they I have like, to be able to. I like Logan Wilson. No, no, but, I think no he, but see, here's the, here's the thing with that, Jack. Like, the Rams are an outside the numbers team. So, but not, but, but passing, they, they, they break it off. Like they run the, the corner post combos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they'll have these, like, I agree with you. They'll have those little like inside crossers or those little things, but their majority big plays though, are all outside yeah. the numbers. No, so the point I was getting corners. to, 
Because yeah. the staples in the, in the McVay offense are it's the the flare route from either the tight end or the wide receiver. Yeah. That's what Cup has done a thousand times. I know. Uh, you've got the corner routes and, and the post routes over the middle or the in-breaking routes. And yeah. you're going to have – and, and of course, they do not run the ball up the middle all that much. Like, they love to run the ball, you know, outside yeah, zone, the zone reads. Yeah, zone reads. So the linebackers is like Wilson and Von Bell specifically, I think they're the most equipped to do this, is you got to play the run on the way to the pass. So they love the little flare routes. You've got to be able to run the and force the runs. To, you know, uh, you have to force the runs to go inside by you know walling them off on the outside, as well as be in a position to, if it's play action, be able to guard those flat routes. Like that's where it all starts because that's oh if, yeah. If your if your defense can get it done on the back end and you're not covering that, that's a five to ten yard gain that McVay will take every single time. Yeah. So it's going to be on Wilson and Bell, I think. You know, to be able to, uh, if it's going to be play action or a run. Force the run to the inside. Be ready to take care of the outside pass. That is, that's like I think the number one key for the Bengals in this game. Uh, uh, Jermaine Pratt as well. He Jermaine actually, Pratt, won yeah, the he's, he's I mean, he'll be better. At, he'll be better at the run game part of that. Uh, I don't think he's as equipped to you know cover Cooper Cup in space, <laughs> but I trust Logan Wilson more in cover and Von yeah, Bell. exactly. I think Wilson and Bell would be the guys they equip to do that on each side. Yeah, well, maybe because over the middle they put they actually put Pratt a little bit. Uh, that's where they picked off uh, Derek Carr when the yeah. game was. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was a seam breaking route over the middle. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll see. I, I also the defensive ends. Like I think it also starts at the line of scrimmage. Like if they can bat a couple balls down, get some momentum like that. I think that's going to be also really key uh, and get some pressure to contains. Right. Like mm-hmm. I loved what they did towards the second half with Hubbard kind of coming in th- over the middle. Yeah. Let's see. But yeah, I think you know you're also going to just you want to make them run the ball. Like I, this Rams team does not want to run the ball. Obviously they don't either with Stafford or with acres slash Michelle. So you make them run the ball. I think that's kind of what both teams are going to try and do, especially in the first half. Like I think the first half, we might not see a lot of points because both teams are like, you're we're gonna, they're going to do exactly what they did to Mahomes. Like both everyone's been doing to Mahomes the last year, make him go on a 15 play drive with 10 runs and score. Yep. Because I think yep. the Rams realized that, like, you know, the stuff I was talking about Zach Taylor the other week where I did not like his play calling, that he got kind of conservative, ran the ball a little bit too much. I think they realized, like, that's the best opportunity to win. If if you keep the ball out of Stafford and Burrow's hands and make them run the ball, make them take the five-yard run on first down and the three-yard, uh, you know, short pass or Stafford run on second down, then you've got a better chance. And so I think that's what we're going to see. But I think all bets will be off by the end of this game. It's going to be a really exciting one. The different matchups. I feel like these teams are so thought Who would have thought these two? And also, I mean, before we make the picks, like, man, I can't believe the season's over. I mean, it's just, it went by so fast. Uh, Even with the extra game. A journey. Really, yeah. I I think it went too Each fast. Each week has I mean, been a nail biter, though. That's the it thing. feels like, like it feels like week. an eternity ago that the Browns were still in contention for something. Like I mean, I feel like I've just been in the off season down in the dumps for the last like four months, but yeah. it's only been what a few weeks. Um, but I don't know. I feel like the season went by fast, but there were so many storylines. There were just so many and some great games. I mean, we saw really good games. At least you were blessed with an amazing season. Two or three instant classics this year, and you know a bunch of games that we'll remember for a, a long time. And this Super Bowl specifically, I think it's going to be a great one because, like, these are, and I was thinking about this earlier today, these are two very similar teams. Like, very, I think, I say they're like on the same level as of right now that came from completely different places. The Rams were supposed to be maybe the best team in the NFL, and the Bengals were supposed to be maybe one of the worst teams in the NFL. And now they're both in the Super Bowl. And both, both have a really good chance at winning this one. Honestly, though, I think this is, 
I think for Cincinnati though, like you need to win this one. Like the AFC is coming back with a vengeance. Like they, I yeah. mean, we'll save it for over the off season, but I'm like, I'm looking at their schedule. I'm looking at just everything, you know, with all the teams getting better, you've got a shot. Take it. That's, yeah, it's that's also Joe I'm Burrow. Saying. I feel like they've got a shot every year when he's, when he's at quarterback. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Let's get into picks. Shrikar as our, uh, Leader, champion yeah. of the year, Mr. Oh, yeah, we'll go Herbert in order. So, on the head. Jamiki has to go last, I guess. On the yeah. <laughs> no, I'll go second. I don't care. <laughs> it depends oh, on what streetcar uh, picks. It depends on what streetcar picks. I'll decide. What? Wait, no. Value. What? Oh, okay. No, All right, based go, on go. entertainment value. Yeah. Are we are we doing scores or are we not doing scores? No, do scores. Come on, we'll do scores. Yeah, okay. we'll do scores. Paint us a story of how the game's gonna go. Paint. Oh God, dude! Remember oh, when I painted God. the story of Darnold's season? Two and fourteen, <laughs> pick that. six, Devin McCourt. I won't. I won't paint a story. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a psychic. But here's the thing. I'll say. Definitely, definitely looking at the Bengals O line versus the Rams pass rush. I don't know how many times I'm going to overstate this, but that's the matchup I'm looking at. If the Rams can get relentless pressure on Joe Burrow, even if they move him out of the pocket, I still think it's going to have an impact. I want to talk about the desperation factor as well because. Anish touched on it. He's got to, you know, do you think that Cincinnati has more of a desperation factor in this one? Uh, what do you mean? Like, do you think Cincinnati is the more desperate team in this? I know it's both teams in the Super Bowl, but do you think Cincinnati is the more desperate team to win this game? Or would it be the Rams? I mean, well, but, well, here's the thing. It's like, the Super Bowl. Is, I mean, yeah, both are like, desperate. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I get this that. This isn't like a, like a week eight game or never, something. Never, never mind. But okay. Um, okay. both teams, both okay. teams, both teams are in the Super Bowl. I understand. Yeah, I think I think the desperation factor actually goes to the Rams because I if agree. you think about if you th- the Bengals are a young team, this is a young team. The Rams, on the other hand, they have vets. They have Andrew Whitworth looking for his first string. You got Eric Weddle looking for his first string. You got you got guys like Von Miller who are looking for their second. You got to be thinking if you're the Rams, like it's hard to make the Super Bowl, and who knows if you're going to have an opportunity like this again. I get the NFC is weak, but after this year, I mean, who knows. For the Bengals, I trust that Joe Burrow will take them to another Super Bowl. I'll say that right off the bat. I think he well, who knows? But I think I think he's got that mentality and that attitude to bring him back. <laughs> but anyways, the pick. I'm gonna go with the Rams in this game, and I'll say a final score of 24 to 17. I think it'll be somewhat low scoring. Um, I think it'll be more of a defensive game in this one. <sighs> Cincinnati has not allowed more than 24 in any of their postseason games thus far. And of course I mentioned the Rams defense with that pass rush, but I'm going to give the ever so slight edge to the Rams here. Um, they're at home. I know it's LA. It's not much of an advantage, but they're in so far. I think it helps them. I just feel a little bit more confident going with the Rams, even though I'm still pretty worried about Stafford. I'd give the story like a six out of ten, honestly. Yeah, no. Nah, I didn't go for a story. I was so confused with the desperation factor until I finally got. I was like, oh, okay, I see you with Whitworth and Weddle. Okay, then see, I but finally. You need, you need like, it easier okay. to process plot at this point. Like, I did, guys. Okay, the guy, the yeah, audience, on, man, you're supposed to be a journalist. I, did, I didn't dude. go for a story. I just, I just gave, I just gave my thoughts. Well, then you didn't understand the assignment. Yeah. That's that's a fail in my book. Give it, fans, uh, give your star rating for for each of our stories. I, 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 I each failed. of our stories, yeah. I failed, guys. <laughs> Anish, yeah. you want to go? 
Nah, you go. You go. You said you wanted to go second. Well, no, I said I said I'd choose based uh-huh, on. No, it's too late. late. You gotta go. Right. Going, I'll break the story, going. okay? Okay. So right. the first half, the first quarter starts kind of slow. Uh, you know, I think the we'll say the Rams get the ball first. I think they don't. Neither team scores on their first possession. Maybe they don't score on their second either. I think the Rams score a touchdown. I think the Bengals kick a field goal. Wait, no. I think the bank. I think the Rams score a touchdown. Bengals score a touchdown. Rams kick a field goal, and then in the second half or second quarter, the Rams score a touchdown to make it seventeen to seven. The Bengals get a field goal late to you know as going into half makes it seventeen to ten. Rams up at halftime. The Bengals get the ball back. I think they score not back to back possessions, but they go on a little fourteen zero run. And at this point, it's twenty four to seventeen. I think. Each team, you know, trades a score. I think the I think the Rams score a touchdown, so it's 24-24. Uh, and I think the Bengals kick a field goal, so it's 27-24. I think you go down towards the end of the game. Uh, Matthew Stafford can't quite get it done. Uh, they kick a field goal, and Joe Burrow ends the game on a field goal from Evan McPherson. Exactly how, you know, this entire playoffs has gone. So what is that final score of 30-27 to Bengals? Wow, Bengals you got playoffs. Cincinnati. Bengals, dude, at this point... Like, can you bet against Joe Burrow? Look, so here's the thing. I wanted to actually point this out before we started. Jack is two and zero in the two Super Bowls we have picked. Dude, last year uh, you have no like. I was so back. And I know, forth. no. I, see, because I was confident. I remember I was really confident. I got the confident at the end though. This one I'm not yeah. as confident. I've switched. I told these guys before. I switched eight times today. Yeah, I, switched I'm eight not, times. I'm not, I'm I don't even know how it's possible, here. but I'm just gonna be like, all right. Um, it's like so. My heart has always. My heart actually kind of switched earlier because. Earlier, like you know, the last couple of weeks, I've wanted the Rams to win. Just being in LA, went to the wild card game. It'd be so cool to be in the city, not only where the Super Bowl is being played, but the Super Bowl winning team ends up being. Uh, wouldn't go jumping on cars or anything like that. Like I'm not a Rams yeah. fan, but I think it would have been cool to be in the city. But Joe Burrow's just won me over so much. Like I, I was kind of on the same track as Anish, like respecting him as a player and what he's done. But just like the story, and, and he's just such a, he's such a great story, and like he's, he's, he's someone a, he's a likable guy. Like and, yeah, and, I hate and, yeah. So my I heart, talking my heart about was saying Bengals. My my brain started off by saying Rams, and it's come around a little bit more to the Bengals just because like, as much as you can say their defensive line is going to eat them alive, so did Tennessee's, and they still won. And and everyone was saying okay, but the Chiefs are going to do the same thing, and he he kind of escaped the pressure. And I think that you know skill position wise, I think that they match up pretty similarly. Um, and the Super Bowl is different. I mean, the Super Bowl, like, it, it, it's just different. Uh, you know, both teams are going to come in with a good game plan. And it just kind of won me over towards the end. I went with the Bengals. Not feeling as confident as I was in the Bucks last year. I was pretty confident going in to that one. Uh, and, yeah, I picked the Chiefs over the Niners, right? Did we all or was it just you and no, I? No, no, it was just you. Oh, just me? Yeah. Right. Well, I, felt, I, I think I feel just about as confident in this one as I did there. Yeah. All right. I guess I got, I'm the last story here. So, all right. wait, what was sure. my story you got on like star rating? Oh, pro- like, okay. I lost you when you started going in the points. I was like, okay, wait, uh, this, this, 10 7. So, I'll, it was better than the streetcars. So, I'll give it like a B, I guess. I didn't go for a story. Yeah, I know. That's why I was, that was like turning in like a blank paper or like a paper. Like, that was like turning in like a math assignment for an English assignment. That's yeah. basically what you did. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, I'll try and paint the story here. Picture it national anthems going up. We see Cooper Cup. Hand on his heart, obviously head down, <laughs> head down <laughs> with the patch oh, on his head. Yep. Hold on, I'm picturing. Let me picture my story. All right, cup, 
hand over the heart with the beard, definitely head down, uh, patch on the side. It's definitely going to show Joe Burrow, you know, obviously with his cool. He's going to be rocking back and forth like this too. He's like, he's like this when they play the national anthem. Yup. Yup. And that's, that's my guy. But, uh, yeah. So I also hate talking about Burrow's story now because everybody talks about it and I don't like talking about stuff that everybody talks about. I want to find the next big thing. So next year we're going to find next year. I'm calling it right now. Baker's going to be good, and Twitter's going to go into an absolute frenzy about whether he's a good or not quarterback. And I'm just going to sit here like this, smiling. I'm going to sit here um, saying he's not, but. Yeah. Okay. I'll say he's good so that they don't win. But okay. No, story. stop. No. Okay. Back to the story. Back to the story. So uh, I'm going to say that the Bengals win the toss. And I'm going to, ironically, because they didn't win it versus the Chiefs. And I think they're going to take the ball. Uh, and I think they're going to get a field goal. I'm not going to go into all the points because that just gets confusing. I'm just going to say it's kind of a boring game with a little bit of highlight plays here and there but I think the fourth quarter is where it really gets interesting I think McPherson's gonna have four total field goals on the day uh so I think I think the uh Bengals are gonna score I think they're gonna have at least 19 points uh and then I think it's gonna come down to so it's gonna come down to a 19 to 24 game I think the Rams are gonna be up 24 to 19 and it's gonna be like you know three minutes left on the clock Burrow's gonna come down and everyone's like all right this is where Joey B comes up but the Rams defense says all right this is, you know, this is our time to shine, and we're going to see an Aaron Donald insanely hype up man, uh, man speech on the sideline, uh, and I think it's going to come down to like a fourth and ten, fourth and twelve, uh, where they just the Bengals have to convert it, and they do not, um, and the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Cooper Cup is going to be the Super Bowl MVP. I'm praying, I'm praying that happens. Sean McVay gets his first ring and proves to everybody why he is the best young head coach. Not Nate or not. That's uh, not the other guy uh, that starts with a uh, K and ends in an Isle Shanahan. Uh, so yeah, I think the Rams win the Lyle Super Bowl. Shanahan? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Lyle Shanahan because you know loses big games. Uh, but yeah, I think I think the Rams win it, 24 to 19. If the Bengals win it, that's okay. They're going to go through the Super Bowl hangover of absolute dreams, so it's fine. I think it's uh, 19 yeah. points. Are you saying they're going for two, like, yeah, how? in the game? Uh, No. Uh, Four field goals and a touchdown, right? Oh, that's so weird. They're used to, so you think the Bengals only score one touchdown? Wow. Yeah. It's a lot All of right. faith in the – I guess I'm the lone wolf again. You got to get me on uh, – was it Good Morning Football on, on NFL Network and give me the, the wolf hat. Yeah. I mean, if you, hey, if you get, I guess if you get it, you get it. I mean, Joey B is going to walk. I, I just want, I want Cup If to I go get three one. for three, three state Super Bowls, including two lone wolf ones, do I get to not be called Jamaica anymore? Hell no. What? Oh. No. No. Right. Well, <laughs> no. Hey, nah, look, maybe, I'm rooting for the Bengals, by the way. I'm totally not jinxing the Rams. Well, well. obviously. <laughs> I'm, I'm not I mean, jinxing the Rams. Here's, here's my reason for why yeah. I'm rooting for the Rams. We all know, I mean, you know, I am a STEM major. Two is greater than one. And, McVay and Cup, Joey B. Yeah, but Jamar, also, no love for Jamar, the guy Jamar. that. Looks- oh right, he viewed ours. Oh, okay, two two. But I talk about McVay and Cup a lot more. So, yeah. Well, OBJ, you love OBJ, you so it's like. Oh, but no, actually, you don't love OBJ, so it's probably like 2 to 1 and <laughs> 1.75. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it's 2 OB. I mean, look. If Odell wins one, like, yeah, cool. Odell, Odell's who I want to win Super Bowl MVP. Can you imagine? If he wins Super Bowl MVP... Actually, well, no, I want the Bengals to win, obviously. But, like, if they Rams win. If they if they give it to him, I'm going to be in a load of trouble. I'm going to get 
texts from everybody saying, oh, but I thought it was Odell's fault. It was Odell's fault. These guys don't understand. It's okay. It'll, it'll make my quote graphic saying, I think he was like going to be a, have like a top, top five 10, wide receiver Top 10 season. season. Top, top 10, 10 wide receiver season. Yeah. It'll, it'll make it look a little better. He's little been a better. top 10-ish wide receiver since joining the Rams, so. Okay. No, okay. I'm not going to move that. Uh, anyways, that's going to wrap up our episode. It's This has been a great season. We're get to kick back, watch an, an insane Super Bowl. Let us know down in the comment section, you know, your thoughts on the Super Bowl. We want to hear your score predictions. If any of you get it right, you can get like a round of applause. It's our next episode or something like that. We'll drop your name or maybe uh, if, if, if we think you deserve it. Uh, but that's all we got for you guys. Please consider hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe button. It really helps this time of the season because playoff time. Uh, Anisha, I'll plug your video, Matt Corral versus Kenny Pickett. Yeah, That's scouting season season back. We're gonna do came more. out this week. So make sure to go check that out. If you're watching on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you know what to do. Uh, leave a five-star review if you really enjoyed it. But enjoy the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great one. Uh, have a great Sunday. We'll be back next week to break it all down uh, and start getting into some off-season stuff. Uh, but anyways, we've been the Cold Truth Podcast. We'll see you next time.